0: You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Welcome back to the program, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, The Big Show. Russick and Rose. Russick will be back at some point. I'm Matt Rose. He's Peter Klein, Patty Dumas, GVP in the other room. Very clever GVP. I see what you did there. Thank you. Thank you. We we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We are joined by Steve Conroy, Boston Bruins writer, for the Boston Herald, uh, lots to talk about with Steve. He's been covering the Bruins since 2001. And a player who has been with the organization since 2003 hung him up yesterday in Patrice Bergeron. Also, very quickly, just want to mention Sebastian Ajo has just signed an eight-year contract extension with the Carolina Hurricanes. We're going to get into that in about 15-ish minutes here as well. But, Steve, good morning. Thanks for taking some time. Really appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Uh, well, the big news here is Patrice Bergeron hanging him up, 19 seasons. There's so much to cover with his tenure as a member of the Boston Bruins, but I mentioned it. You started covering the team in 2001. He was drafted in 2003 in the second round. What was the state of the Bruins when Patrice Bergeron was drafted, and what was maybe the, the expectations or the thoughts on that draft pick at the time?
2: Uh, well, he almost immediately opened eyes in training camp. Um, as far as the pick itself is it a second round pick, you you know you there's some excitement about it, but you really didn't know too much about him at, at the point that point. Um, but you know in training camp, he just impressed, impressed, impressed. And there, there back then, there weren't a ton of eighteen year old kids making making rosters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, out of training camp, um, but. You know, the, the Bruins had a new coach by the name of Mike Sullivan, who you know, you know, was impressed by him, and he, you know, he, he just kept getting better and better. They were waiting for you know him to tail off at some point in the training camp, which usually happens to eighteen-year-old kids, but it never really did with him, uh, and, and he just took off from there. Was there
1: a point for you where he went from being, yeah, he'll probably be an NHL player to? this guy might be one of the best two-way centermen and definitely the captain of the Boston Bruins in the future.
2: You know, it's interesting. You really didn't know which way his, you know, his career was going to go. You know, it's his second year, he, you know, he, uh, he scored 30 something goals and it looked like he might be an explosive offensive player, um, but then he had the concussion, you know, the, you know where he lost an, almost an entire season to that. And it was really slow for him getting back. And, you know, his first year back, nothing went in for him. I don't know. He, he, I think he had fewer than 10 goals that, that next year coming back. And he had to figure out a way to contribute without scoring goals and without putting up points. And his game kind of evolved from there as, as a great, you know, two-way player.
0: Uh, He comes in at an interesting time. A couple of years after he's drafted, Joe Thornton is on the way out. And all of a sudden, a guy who felt like the future of the franchise and a cornerstone is gone. Um, Kind of take us back to that, because we just remember now the Bruins as just being this dominant force for forever. Um, I would imagine at that point there's a bit of, okay, what's happening now? And how did Bergeron kind of play into that next era of the Boston Bruins around that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. He, he was pivotal, you know, that that, he was one of the reasons that, you know, former GM Michael O'Connell, you know, felt, you know, comfortable enough to move, to move Joe Thornton. Um, They were in a transition period at that point. They were coming out of the lockout. They had lost, let a bunch of players go. They let Mike Canoogle go, Brian Ralston, you know, a few other guys. And, you know, they were really kind of, you know, building on rebuilding on the fly. And it took a while, you know, it, it, and it didn't really turn until, you know, the summer of 2006, I think it was, where, where they signed um, uh, Zidane Ochar and then Mark Savard in, in a matter of minutes. Uh, and then it, then it turned around. Um, and, and it took a while. There was a, a couple of false starts. Um, you know, he was coming back from the concussion. You know, he blew up a, a 3 nothing lead to the Philadelphia Flyers in 2010. but. Then you know, they, they turned it around
0: and, and won the cup in 2011. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an all right way to bounce back to, to go on and, and win the Stanley yeah. Cup afterward. Um, and, and then w- well, when we get to that point, like, it, it is very clear that this is one of the, like, faces of the franchise. And it, it really felt like as as other players were coming into the organization, all right, let's see if we can get Brad Marchand going, let's put it with Bergeron. Uh, it felt like he kind of had that role in, in kind of, ushering in some of these other younger players as you watch the, this era of Bruins dominance kind of unfold um how key was him in not only his own development and his growth but growing the players around him as well
2: yeah well that was I mean I remember they they put uh, Marchand up there uh Marchand had started out on a fourth line with with Sean Thornton and Gregory Campbell I believe and then you know it was clear that he had a level of skill uh that was not Fourth line skill, and uh, midway through that Stanley Cup year, they they um, put him up uh, with Bergeron and I think it was Mark Recchi, and you know literally he never left that line. You know, was, you know, there were a couple couple of games here and there where where you know either Claude Julian or uh, or uh, um, Bruce Cassidy would would split them up if they were going stale, but that didn't last very long. And then on the right side, uh, you know, there was a you know, a revolving door of guys, you know, including Tyler Sagan and, and Riley Smith. And, and you know, the latest was Jake DeBrusque, who, um, you know, who really blossomed and has turned into a terrific player after playing with those two guys.
0: You've mentioned a couple names here that I think are interesting. Um, Zdeno Chara, obviously like one of the, the great free agent signings in the history of sport. Um, and, and Mark Recchi there as well. As Bergeron is going from, um kind of young player into this leadership future captain of the team role how important were some of those uh, veterans around him like Zidane Chara like a uh, uh, Mark Recchi and, and some of those guys Mark Savard as well guys who have been around the block a time or two to kind of show him how he's supposed to be leading
2: yeah absolutely you know and i think it started with, with Recchi and, and Chara and you know Chara's you know not not that far removed from Boston either you know so so Bergeron didn't have to take the take on the burden of being being the captain until he was thirty-four, thirty-five years old, whatever it was, um, so that helped, uh, no question about it. And you know, he came in as a as a really shy kid, you know, and you know, not having a great command of English at the time, probably fed into that shyness. But boy, did he blossom and really become a leader. And not just, you know, people it, it make a mistake of saying, "Oh, he's a lead by example kind of guy," which he do- certainly is. But he is a he is a much more outgoing guy in the room than than some people would give him credit for or, or would suspect.
1: One of the things that we've that you've kind of mentioned over the course of going through his career is the injuries that he suffered, and you can just Google Patrice Bergeron injuries, and there is there is separated shoulders, there's broken ribs, there's the concussions, there was the punctured lung that he played with. Is that kind of one of the things that's always going to go hand in hand with the story of Patrice Bergeron and maybe even another reason why he endeared himself so much to the Bruins faithful
2: oh no question about it and in, in his you know his team hates so you know he had those two goals in game seven against Vancouver to win the Stanley Cup he had the the tying and in, in w- overtime winner in that great Toronto comeback uh in 2013 but he talked to his teammates and it's that game six that he played in with the separated shoulder, broken rib, punctured lung, that that you know, where they go, Oh boy, that was amazing.
1: <sighs> that seems like something that has just the Bruins fans love that type of stuff. Like I remember Zdeno Char coming back after he'd taken the puck to the face, I believe it was, and totally ruined his jaw and came out in the playoffs and still kept on going. And I remember the ovation he got. For just the player announcements at TD Garden, like is that something that's I don't want to say unique to the Bruins fan base, but something that they have an extra appreciation for?
2: Oh, there's no no question about it. I mean, Gregory Campbell was you know a, a really serviceable fourth line guy. They loved him, but that moment in 2013 where he uh, blocked the shot, and you could tell you could tell when a guy breaks a shot in yeah. in how he reacts that it's a broken leg or foot or whatever, right? Because they they just can't put any weight on it, and, and you know, they just can't move. And everybody knew the situation with Gregory Campbell when that shot was blocked, and he just wouldn't leave the ice. He couldn't leave the ice. They wouldn't blow the whistle, and he stayed out there for 30, 40 seconds, whatever it was on that penalty kill. And he's, he is forever endeared to, to the uh, Bruins fans because of that. There's no question that, that that Boston fans, you know, take a you know a special liking to those kind of players. For all
1: those injuries, he still played 19 seasons. Was was there a point where you started to think, okay, this is the this is the off where he maybe hangs it up, or was it really until this point that it felt like this was actually going to happen? Because he did feel like one of those guys who could just keep playing. At a high level, year after year, he seem to just be fighting off the hands of time like nobody else can.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, we were stat- starting to think that it was going to be last You know, the, the previous season was going to be his last. There were just like a lot of little signs that that told us that okay, he's he's probably done here. But then you know, with you know, when he won the Selkie you know, two summers ago. You know, he did a Zoom conference call, and he had a had a, uh, his uh, arm injury surgically repaired. And they are like, okay, he's preparing to come back, so he's going to come back. He came back, and you know, the feeling this year has been that this this is probably the swan song. The fact that it's taken this long to, for them to announce it, you know, raised a lot of hopes in some fans. But <laughs> you know, it's it's not shocking that that he's that he's decided to retire.
1: And to get the Selkie in his final season before doing it, like, is that going to be one of, obviously he has a ring and that's a huge part of the legacy, but, you know, we were joking about it as this broke down yesterday. How much longer until they just rename the Selkie trophy after Patrice Bergeron?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it's really become his you know, his stock and trade. He, you know, I, I think like a lot of Selkie winners, they probably should have won it, a, you know, a year or two before they did, but you you kinda of need that long playoff run to get that get that recognition and for people to really see how you play. Um because it's not an easy easy award to uh to um vote for yeah. and to, to to uh you know, handicap. Um so yeah, that is definitely his his you know, I, I think it's Ken Holland who who said he's the the standard bearer for two uh two hundred foot play of his generation.
0: Yeah, when thinking of who's going to win the award, I actually have to think about it now, because before it was just, I don't know, probably Bergeron. Um, so now gonna have to put some effort into this thing now um one does not simply just replace a Patrice Bergeron um but for the Boston Bruins uh, I would imagine still coming off of a historic regular season and with uh, a lot of quality players still on the roster uh just going in the tank or anything like that is not an option is there a a top line center on this team now moving to that spot or do you think that there could be some external options that the Bruins might look at
2: uh, you know, it, it, I, I would suggest that they they look externally because I don't think they have a number one center here. They've got a couple of really good, you know, middle lineup centers in Pavel Zaka and, and Charlie Coyle, but I I don't think either one of them are are, are number one centers. Um, so I would I would think that they'd look outside or maybe they just you know bite the bullet and, and see how the season goes. And you know maybe if they need to make a move, I think they can make a move and still move, you know, still keep moving forward. Uh, then they'll make it. But you know, I, I just don't see a number one center on this team right now.
0: Can we interest you in a slightly used Elias Lindholm? Uh, that, that that seems to be <laughs> the, the the kind of straight line a lot of people are drawing, especially out here. As soon as that news happened, we got texts about uh, a potential for uh, Elias Lindholm, someone who plays a similar style to, to Patrice Bergeron. Again, there is only one Patrice Bergeron, but uh, do, do you think Lindholm may be one of the ones at the, the top of a wish list for the, the Boston Bruins now? Well, i have
2: certainly it out there in France, that's for sure. Um, it seems to make sense. Uh, would they be? Would the Bruins be guilt, be willing to give up one of their two goalies? You know, you you look at the Vegas and you know, Aiden Hill was nobody's idea of a number one goalie until he became one. Um, so you know, maybe they'd be willing to do that. Uh, and you know, obviously the Flames had some troubles in that last year. It seems like it seems to too easy to be true right
0: (laughs) Uh, i I was going to ask you know just just asking for a friend what what might be available Uh, aside from the the goalie options what what other kind of of trade chips might the the boston bruins have if they were to to go out and try to land another number one center
2: uh well i mean we've got to figure out if if they're a long-term match with jake he's got one just one year left before unrestricted free agency so you know that's you know he's he's turned into a really good player. You know he's an all all situations player. Uh, he's a good weapon on the penalty kill with his speed and with his long stick to break up passes. Um, he's another guy I would think that 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 could be there if they've decided that they're not going to be able to sign him long term.
1: Steve, uh, here in Calgary, we got word of a Mika Kiprasov jersey retirement ceremony upcoming for this season. How long until you get a similar press release about Patrice Bergeron's 37? Uh,
2: they they'll wait a little while, I think, but I'm not sure. I mean, it's obviously going to go up there. Um, you know, maybe we will do it in the the, the hundred uh, the centennial season upcoming. Who knows? Um, but you know, it's obviously going up there.
1: Steve, this has been a great chat. Really appreciate the time today. I'm sure it's uh, pretty busy for uh, a hockey writer in the midst of July, but uh, enjoy it, man.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for having
1: me. There you go. That's Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald. Been covering the team since
0: 2001. If you're the Bruins, do you retire his jersey against the Leafs or the Canucks?
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh,
3: Montreal, maybe like just
0: do a, a tour with him, you know? Oh, I, Montreal the
3: would really the be thrown in the just, face, hey? To do it against the Canucks would be hilarious. But yeah, the Habs, the French Canadian connection. Hey, we got one of you. yours. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they could have drafted
1: him. And yep. he, I, George knows who they drafted instead off the top of his head, but they took some other dude instead of the French Canadian centerman that they needed at the time. And the dude they drafted did not have the same career as Patrice Bergeron. That I know. That's um, fair. That
3: at, I definitely looking at the O no. three draft for. Uh, the, they
0: drafted Corey Urquhart. Yeah, Corey that's Urquhart the in the second. Out of
3: the Montreal Rocket. To the they Co- took uh, on uh, An- Andre Kostetsin with the first pick, though. You oh, it's not this that one. one.
1: No, I. I think no, it's I, not I, great. I, the 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 one that you mentioned, Urquhart. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the guy that. Yeah, their other like second round George pick was all right though.
3: Maxim Perrier. He's all right. Yeah, he's. No Patrice no Bergeron. No Patrice Bergeron, but I, I'm just saying, like, just, like, in general, like, yeah, they could have had... Yeah, uh, that was a you Bergeron.
1: serviceable bottom six centerman did, for a while. When did
3: Bergeron go in the second round? 48? 45, I think. 45, five. so there yeah. you go. Yeah. What a
0: ridiculous Oops. draft this is. Oh, yeah, it's preposterous. And then there's Atlanta at eight with Braden Coburn. Yeah, he was fine. Like, but three
3: of the first rounders didn't set, do anything. Yeah,
1: one, all those humongous dudes were Jessamine. Like, yeah. You know, High-picked. Um, hey, I uh, mentioned it uh, briefly just before we had that chat with Steve, but uh, a little bit of a signing mm. during the commercial yeah. break. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, the forward for the Carolina Hurricanes, the Finnish forward, of course, has signed a contract extension. Uh, sorry, do you have the details on that deal? Uh, eight yeah, years? eight
0: years, $9.75 million AAV.
1: Okay, so $9.875 million AAV. Um, Just nine point seven five. sorry. N- okay, you know what uh, that means? We have to ask ourselves hmm. how does this compare to what Elias Lindholm would get? Oh, I was going to say, how many Mbappe's is that? But yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, one... a
0: it's a lot of Mbappe's. Yeah, it's, it's one one hundredth of the uh, yeah. Mbappe contract. Oh. But no, wow. like th- this. Uh, sad. Like, um... If I'm Elias Lindholm. <laughs> Like I, I'm just like forwarding the the tweet from Elliot. Just like, hey, yeah, there you go. Just uh, it was Elliot, eh? Hey? Yeah.
1: out of hibernation to drop that little nugget on yeah. our on our lap here on a lovely Wednesday morning. Here's the thing: um, Sebastian Ajo is two years younger than Elias Lindholm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both play center. Mm-hmm. They both play top line center. Yep. They both kill penalties. They both are on the power play. Yeah, they do a lot of things that are similar. Yes. But historically. Sebastian Ajo has been much closer to a point-per-game player yep. in each of his seasons. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the last season, in his last five seasons, there has been three... He's been a point-per-game. One year, he was two points short, and this most recent season, he had... Uh, thirty six goals, sixty seven points in seventy five games. Yeah, that's a nice season. Sebastian Aho
0: greater than Elias Lindholm. I, I I feel confident in that. But if I I'm Lindholm, I'm not going much lower than that. At least for the initial ask, nine for mil any type of a contract. Oh, I think it's well over yeah. that.
3: Yeah, like, like nine point two five, maybe nine two five. Oh, because what what was the deal that that we rumored is there, it's like eight eight point eight? We don't know the rumored number. We just know that there's a contract out there.
1: I thought it was higher than that. I thought it was over nine. Okay. I didn't. It I didn't. has to start with a night, I think. It's yeah, all for, and, you know. It's all hearsay, but it's gonna be a wicked yeah. contract for Boston to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> I and they got the, like, I, I, I about, I love that yeah. Steve was like, "Well, they got goalies, and goalies weren't good in Calgary." And I'm like, "No, they're trying to get rid of one." Or, yeah, I, yeah. Don't know, I don't know if they are
3: as much as just Jeremy just, Swayman I feel would be. Like all right. They
1: should. Yeah,
0: yeah. In my mind, think, again, back to the NHL 23 thing. I'm trading one of them.
3: You have yeah, no. Oh
0: uh, Yeah, I would have
1: traded one in a. At the draft, for sure. Yeah.
3: Boston has no uh, first, second, or third coming up in 2024. Yes, so you're gonna be looking for a future first 2025. Uh, could
1: go hand in hand with that future first you're getting from Florida. Exactly. In 2020 so you, what's that 26? Yeah, that getting that one.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't I'm not an expert on Boston's system. I know it's not the uh, not the greatest.
0: Well, you've made the playoffs, like.
3: They haven't had 15, a lot of first-round picks. They didn't have one this last, year. Yeah,
0: 15 of <laughs> the last 19 years of Bergeron, with Patrice Bergeron, they've made the playoffs. So not a lot of picking high.
3: Like, yeah, it makes sense, but it's like, well, unless like Lindholm's like, I am not wanting to be here. I do not want to be here in September. Get me the hell out of here. Right. You're not I'm getting... I'm not
0: doing one more winter. I'm Cal- not doing one more.
3: <laughs> um, like, that could be the
1: other thing, too. You're like, okay, well, Carolina against Calgary. I I want the... Calgary yeah. extra price. Yeah, the, that's The fair. Canadian mm-hmm. tax on there, mm-hmm. right? So it could end up closer to 9.75, but mm-hmm. the numbers aren't necessarily hand in hand. Like we like mentioned, y- Lindholm's two years older too, yeah, which is significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's 26 versus 28.
3: And, and a player that, yeah, while well, having a, gr- a decent good year at this year, without his two great wingers, fell off yeah, a bit as well.
1: Didn't have the same type of point production for yeah. sure. So that's another
3: thing to kind of keep an eye on. Hmm. And but then, like rumors would, are, they prefer Lindholm over Shifley. So, at yeah, least that's a rumor. I would. Obviously, because Lindholm yeah. can do more. Who, who wouldn't? Well, yeah. I'm just. It's just saying, like with with uh, with trades. Like the only boss, difference
1: like, there would be cost. Like you'd have to do like mm-hmm. a uh, cost
3: analysis. Mm-hmm. Business stuff. Business. <laughs>
1: but I don't. Yeah.
3: Because like in in a world like hey, if if Winnipeg moved Hellebuck. At some point, then it would like, oh, you can get Jeremy Swayman in a deal for for Mark Shifley. That would make so much sense there. oh, they'll just go get both. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Hellebuck
1: and?
0: Oh, oh. no. Well, that, I was thinking more. Uh, no, no. It's, it, like it,
3: if Winnipeg moved Hellebuck to New Jersey or something yeah, and earlier, Swayman goes and then they to go to goes for Shifley. Yeah, Swayman goes becomes and Winnipeg's number Rusk one.
0: Comes to Calgary for Lindholm, and then the Bruins
1: have the best center situation in the league. Uh, this none of these. Costs make sense to me. It's not enough, mm. and it's not what you need. No, and you're just creating more problems. Mm-mm. Oh man, I don't think the Bruins are a good trade partner for the Flames. It's not. They're not. No, <laughs> they no, straight up are not. It doesn't make a ton
0: of sense from the Flames. It like for Boston, it's so easy, right? Because it's like it's, like, oh. it's the player that Lindholm has been compared to the yeah. most. Is oh yeah, he's kind of like a. a Four men's patrice bergeron right
1: mm-hmm. like, yeah, patrice and, bergeron from wish yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah
0: he's been that um like no we have a patrice bergeron at home so um <laughs> he like he, he has been that so it's it's a very easy straight line like oh yep. well now he just goes and fills that role it, it is the destiny that has been written mm-hmm. by the forefathers but um you're, you're right like there isn't um, unless you are super amped up about what jake DeBrus yeah. might look like away from patrice bergeron um and think that there's a resurgence from Jakub Zborl coming, then maybe, but... One more time? What was that? You heard me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zborl. Zborl.
3: <laughs> like, Zborl. Their top ten prospects, uh, we got uh, Mason Larray, got Fabian Lysel, Matthew Poitras, Georgie Merkulov, Brett Harrison, John Beecher, Danz Lachmelis.
0: I, I was told a long time ago to like not necessarily admit when you don't necessarily know something. Mm-hmm. You could have made up all, all those, those names, and I would. <laughs> <prove to you. laughs>
1: I like those. to. Th- I like to think I'm pretty well versed on prospects. John Beecher, was, like maybe Lysel Sal
3: is the one I've heard of. Those um, could have well, been. Yeah, yeah. He played in Vancouver. Yeah. And-
0: those could have been computer-generated names that mm. you would draft in NHL 06, and yeah. I would be none the wiser. Tom McGinley
3: from Kazakhstan. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, you played like eight years. Oh, identity, yeah. Hey? oh, yeah. Oh, you're getting to that point. Nice.
1: A lot of video game references today. The nerd is really showing, but that's fine. Um, well, I do. Hey, congrats on a great k- career to Patrice Bergeron, and yep. congrats on getting the bag to Sebastian Ajo. And congrats to Rob Wilson on the return of Slam Ball. He is going to be our next guest on the show. He is the EVP of Competition and Player Relations. Slam Ball returned over the weekend. And we're going to ask him how we got there. And uh, 43 points in one game. Is that good? How good is that? We'll ask him both those questions around the corner. Sports at 960 The Fan.
2: You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames,
0: Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Welcome back to the show. Final segment of today's program, Big Show with Russick and Rose. I'm Matty Rose. Peter Klein in today. And for the rest of the week, Patty Dumas here. GVP's in the other room. We're just having so much fun here in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. Double hitter on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this hour. We go right back down to the chat with Rob Wilson. Rob has an extensive resume. He is a University of Toronto Varsity Blues Hall of Famer. Played basketball there and was inducted into their Hall of Fame in 2011. He was the first overall selection in the inaugural 2002 Slam Ball Draft and now... He is the EVP of competition and player relations for Slam Ball in its return to sport. Good morning, Rob. Thanks for joining us today.
4: How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing very well. Uh, How are you doing? First weekend of action just came back. It's got to be a pretty exciting moment for you.
4: Pretty exciting. And like I said, this has been a long ramp. So it'll be tiring for sure. But um, we're really happy with, uh, you know, the the, the new fans that we've seen and some of the feedback that we received.
1: So here's here, for fans that aren't aware, slam ball is a sport that combines trampolines, uh, some basketball elements, as far as the hoop goes, the shooting, the slam dunks, some football components, as far as the full contact and kind of minimal padding as well. It was around for a couple of years in the early two thousands, and then it went away for about 20 years. What was your role in bringing it back to competition?
4: Man, what a loaded question. I know we're at the end of our show, so I'm going (laughs) to be faster. Yeah, Slambo, actually, when we say it went away, it went away in North America. Mm. We were um, up and running in China for um, almost a decade over there where we contested the, I think it was like the 2015 uh, NCAA-style national championship over there with uh, more than 80 colleges in China. It got to the point where if you're in the right place, taking the right courses, you could actually take a college course in slam ball in some of the universities in China. So we had some interesting penetration over there and and a lot of, a lot of fans, but of course, like anything, uh, COVID kind of tapped out a lot of things um, in our world and, and slam ball kind of went down that way because it was just too hard to have that many people together training all the time. But I mean, my role here coming back, I mean, Hey, you name it, I got to get it done. Great to have titles, but what you need is results. <laughs> and I've been involved in everything from obviously the recruitment of players was my my main onboarding. Uh, but you know, talking to the guys, getting them uh, down here to Vegas, you know, massaging them and making them understand what this thing is. The good thing is, almost nobody I talked to had not seen Slam Ball at some point, despite the fact that we were you know on TV some 20 years ago. Everybody has seen it. It's just, you know, the highlights live in infamy on YouTube. Uh, Instagram is a great platform. So is TikTok because you're talking about, you know, six to 20-second clips, and it's very optically appealing. It definitely drives the needle, and everybody wants to watch highlights. So we are literally 20 minutes of highlights when you watch a game. There's no downtime. I mean, I love football. I love basketball, but you have that parade to the free-throw line now and again. In football, you've got a great play, and then you've got – 90 seconds, two minutes of huddles, and then we'll throw in five minutes of commercials on top of that. So, you you know, you can go, you have a conversation with your mother-in-law, make a sandwich, use the bathroom, and finally the game starts again. So slam ball doesn't do that. If you blink, you miss it.
1: You mentioned player recruitment, a big part of your role. Um, Where do you even begin there? Because I know reading a little bit about the league, you have mostly former NCAA basketball players. I believe it's over 30, you know, about a dozen or so former football players, former track stars as well. How does the recruitment process begin for this in North America? Because I know that there was some visa issues trying to get the previous players that you had had in China over here as part of the league that restarted in Las Vegas.
4: Yeah, if, uh, if you have an issue, we found out a way to um, run into it 10 times over. Yeah. <laughs> so um, The recruitment process obviously is really different in this type of sport. Uh, you're not recruiting from the sport. You're recruiting from all different sports, looking for people who may possess those specific elements. I mean, there's, there's basketball players who spend a lot of time sulking on a bench because they're too big and strong sometimes and get penalized for the strength they possess and show on the court they get cheap fouls well guess what guys i got the place for you to go there's no fouls here <laughs> literally so if you bring that type of strength and aggression into slam ball it's only going to work so the very thing that holds you back in basketball is going to prop you up in slam ball um, then of course we're looking for football i mean every, well i won't say everybody but a lot of people love football and football is um you know again a sport that's been around forever but you have huge rosters. You have guys who are you know, special teams, but you might be the fourth guy, the fourth slot back on the team. You're never going to get to play much. You're never going to be a star, uh, but you, you, know, you might have in your back pocket those all-American basketball skills because you were a high school standout and kind of chose one of two paths when you got to college. You chose football. Well, those skills that you have been sitting dormant for a while that you still use at the YMCA on the weekend is exactly what you need to be a star here in Excel. So we're able to kind of pull and draw. And I think moving forward organically, guys will start looking at slam ball as their choice of destination. It's like, I have exactly what I need to be that guy for this sport. Whereas in my other sports, maybe not so much. And then of course, incredible speed, incredible athletic prowess that we get out of track. That only helps us. We've had guys in here coming from sometimes a gymnastics background, which may or may not work. Because, you know, everybody loves saying, oh, I can dunk a basketball and I've jumped on a tramp before and all these types of things. They kind of forget the contact part. And once that gets introduced, well, let's just say it may change perspectives very quickly.
0: For a number of different reasons, if I were looking to launch anything, I would try my darndest to get it into Las Vegas. Uh, but what made Vegas the, the prime location for, uh, for, for this version of Slam Ball?
4: Well, slam ball, you know, obviously a lot of people will look at slam ball and say, oh, yeah, I remember this. And, and they may not see it quite in the sports um, genre yet. I mean, once, I think once you sit down and watch a game and take it for what it is, you're like, oh, no, there's, this isn't gimmicky at all. There's a skill set here. There's stuff that you have to learn at a high level. The training obviously takes a long time to get you to this point. But, you know, Vegas is a place where people come to see the latest, greatest, amazing things. So in that regard, if you've never seen actually humans flying around, this is where you can see that. It's the closest thing. I mean, you know, running joke at my church is like, you know, you're closer to the angels than you've ever been because there's a lot of gravity-defying situations yeah. happening around here. And, and, and once you sit courtside, I mean, it's what, you know, I've been yeah. to many NBA games, and NCAA games. It's great to sit courtside and watch the athletes and their size and power. Um, it's a whole other thing to watch guys 15 or 18 feet off the ground for a large majority of the time. And that really kind of overwhelms people when they first come and watch it, especially courtside. They're like, holy mackerel, this is incredible. Um, so Vegas kind of, you know, it, it's kind of a nice fit for us right now as we launch and go forward. Uh, there's a lot of people who are always looking for, "Yeah, we're in Vegas, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. It's like, well, we can go watch a magic show. We can go watch a concert. Wait, slam ball. I'm going to go watch that. So we will be able to organically draw a lot of fans that potentially we wouldn't have before just because of our location. And that's only going to help us in the long run.
1: I found out over the weekend that it's not the easiest to to try and watch Slam Ball up here in Canada, but we do have a lot of people who travel down to Vegas, and this is something that immediately is on my list of things to do when I go down there, like maybe borderline plan a trip around it type of thing. Can you tell us just about the season, when it is, how long it is, when the best time to go and catch Slam Ball would be?
4: I um, I would say you could probably, after you finish this segment, probably hop on a plane and come on down here for this weekend. <laughs> that would be your best time. <laughs> so uh, currently, obviously, it's our, it's our first time back, um, you know, at, like you said, after a hiatus, almost two decades. So we have a, a truncated season, if you will. The game schedule is pretty intense. And obviously, it's, uh, we're airing both on ESPN, ESPN Plus, ESPN 2. Um, and they can, they can take delay some of the streaming games, but the linear games that are, you know, live, obviously, are happening now. So we're playing Thursday through Sundays, and the way we play, it's it's a competitive idea where my team plays your team, um, and then teams three and four would play, and then kind of the game of the night are the two winners. So in Slam Ball, we like to say you win the right to win more games, which means at the end of the regular season, some teams will have played more games than other teams. But we want to leave that up to the teams to decide uh, who gets the most games and who wins the most games. So it's kind of an interesting platform that way because everybody likes a winner. But um, the season for us, uh, we just started uh, July the 21st, and we'll run the playoffs for a full – the regular season will conclude August the 13th, Then we'll have games of uh, playoff nature the 15th, and our grand championship will be the 17th of August. So, like I said, if anybody's looking to watch Slam Ball this year, come on down. We will have a tour – there's some touring models after and things that are happening, but slam ball is always going to, you know, be a summer sport, if you will. I think the summer sports landscape is open for that. I mean, not to uh, throw any shade on any other sports, but I did sit sit down and have an exhilarating evening of um, uh, cornholing. I watched that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I watched some kickball on uh, ESPN the Ocho. Uh, I followed that up with a little bit of um, bowling and. Yeah, I thought, you know what? I think we can uh, we can shed a little excitement in this area. <laughs> so I, I'm hopeful that people will also gravitate towards slam ball as an incredible summer option and going up against you know some of those sports. I think I think we might give you the excitement you want.
0: As a sports show that had a 15-minute Shark Week conversation earlier today, I have no idea what you're talking about about summer sports. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looking at – you mentioned your partner with ESPN. Uh, the last time that slam ball was available to us here in North America, it was Spike TV – um espn carries a a bit more of a a mainstream appeal i would suggest how important is that partnership with the the worldwide leader in sports
4: oh that's exactly why we wanted i mean there was several networks that did um when they realized slam was coming back they actually came courting so those those conversations were really intense and quite amazing but i mean i think for anyone when they say um on this side of the border you know what's our sports network you know espn obviously is going to come to the forefront as if when we go north and we say, "Hey, what's our sports network?" Obviously, TSN is going to pop out there, um, probably is the premier, just kind of like you know the the name that we know, the brand that we know. So, being on ESPN gives us some sense as well the fan base that we can get to uh, right away, right out of the gate, and also it legitimizes uh, sport in a certain you know in a certain frame. You know, having said that, as, far as I just said, I mean, we're now on the same network as all of these other up-branded sports like, um, not to belabor the point, American cornhole and <laughs> this type of stuff. So I do think you know ESPN is a great partner for us um, moving forward. You know who knows what what happens or where we go or how we evolve and, and what happens. But right now, um, to be on ESPN, to be streamed on ESPN Plus, definitely puts us in a place where we know we're going to reach um, a mainstream sport fan. And if we have the elements to keep their interest, then I'm sure the ESPN partnership can last.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about some of the personalities that we might get to know if we follow the sport? Ty McGee set a single-game points record in the opening weekend, 43 of his team's 66 points. And then also uh, Coach Carter. Ken Carter is the coach of the Rumble. Are there some other personalities that we can also get to kind of know around the sport?
4: I mean, I think, like I said, obviously Coach Carter comes with a – um, a certain amount of reputation before he ever hit a slam ball court. You know, that is his full, it's his feature movie, which he uh, consistently reminds us that he has on a daily basis, which is great. Uh, but obviously the personalities are going to grow organically. If you start watching the sport, I mean, I, you know, we throw away, we throw around the name Ty McGee. He's well-known here for us now, and maybe he had a little coming out party during that game on ESPN, but all of the other players, I mean, they come probably without notoriety because they don't necessarily come with the collegiate, I'm a star and everyone remembers me from the NCAA. So they're kind of going to be slam ball grown guys who have been waiting for this moment in time and now they're going to kind of explode. Um, you know, our first, first overall pick, Bryce Moran, um, he came from uh, Florida Atlantic and he was a, you know a very, a very good basketball player but, you know, didn't really move the needle that way um, while he was at school. But this, you know, the, the configuration of this sport with what it is with the full contact, it's him. You know, it, it's, he's, he's grown into his role. It's been fantastic. Um, he is only excelling more and more and more. And he's a guy whose name's going to be out there. We have a, a kind of a basketball player turned influencer, Tony Crosby, um, who a lot of people already follow. He's out there hard, loving slam ball, doing his thing. Um, and then, you know, All of these guys are going to become, we believe, household names in the world of slam ball, but I'm very aware as it moves forward on ESPN, a whole lot of different guys are going to be coming at us where we didn't have, you know, maybe the Nebraska, Oklahoma State Mm -hmm. type football programs. This type of exposure is going to really drive athletes towards our door.
1: Rob, this has been a great chat. Best of luck uh, getting this league uh, right back to... uh I guess the excitement that it was back and uh when we were all watching it in Spike is in the early 2000s. thousand. It's been great. Enjoy it.
4: <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks a lot. You guys have a great day.
1: There you go. That's Rob Wilson, executive vice president of competition and player relations for Slam Ball. Pretty sweet. I'm so happy it's back. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Graced the social media's very well. And uh their Twitter admin is He's a good one. <laughs> I feel like they might be an old Vegas Golden Knights type of guy. Oh, okay. Get that type of vibe. Yeah. Which isn't everyone's cup of tea, but for something like this, I yeah, think it works it's right perfectly up, for something right like Right up the alley. Yeah. Right? And the same way it did for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Uh, we have to do this right now. Uh, it's going to be a tight one, but and luckily I've got a very difficult question. Oh, good. It's time for Impossible Flames Trivia. Do we have a, is there a thing that plays? Do I read the liner first? Impossible Flames Trivia is brought to you by Veranda, a friendly farm to table restaurant featuring craft beer and spirits from in-house VK BrewCo and Burrwood Distillery, 2566 Flanders Avenue Southwest, and on Instagram at verandayyc. Get your thinking cap ready because it's time for George Rusick to deliver. Today's
0: Impossible Flames trivia question.
1: Yeah, George is probably golfing right now, so oh, instead, more than likely. uh I have produced the Impossible Flames trivia. Peter Klein does not know the answer. Mm. I do not. But uh the other boys in the room do. They have they've have checked with it and made sure that this is an answer that I don't know makes sense to the same extent that they usually do, which
3: is minimal. Nah nah, it'll it'll, it'll, it'll work. Here's how it
1: works. We name you three flames players. And you have to tell us what the connection is to these three players. It could be anything. Okay. It could be literally anything. Alright? Okay. You might have to do a little bit of tippy-tapping for this one. (laughs) Uh, Your first player, number 28 for your Calgary Flames, Elias Lindholm. He's in the final year, entering the final year of a six-year contract that he signed with the Calgary Flames uh, back in the summer of 2018. Uh, At the time of this contract expiring, he will be a UFA. But when he signed it, he was an RFA He's had some very good years as a member of the Calgary Flames. Your second player is James Neal. Oh, that guy. Who was traded to the Edmonton Oilers for Milan Lucic, a contract that was eventually bought out by the Edmonton Oilers in July of 2021. No longer in the league. Nope. But still continues to be Jimmy the Gun. He James played in Neal. the HL still? No, I don't think he did oh, okay. this year. All right. He played in Milwaukee the year prior, yeah, but did. I don't think he did this last year. So lastly Noam, James Neal and your final player, Buddy Robinson. Buddy. Perhaps the next line mate for one Connor Bedard. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if he's actually signed, but he played in <laughs> Chicago the most recent year. Uh, He managed to get into nine games as a member of the Blackhawks. I think he actually scored against the Flames (laughs) in one of those nine games. His one goal this season. Uh, 20 points in 52 games with the Rockford Ice Hogs this year. So your three players, Buddy Robinson, Elias Lindholm, and James Neal. I want you to think of the time of year that we are currently in as well Mm. as it relates to the NHL calendar. When you're trying to find the link, between these three players, do you have any guesses, Peter Klein? Man, I no. Uh, initially, <laughs> uh, okay. no, I do not. No. Um,
0: yeah, I can't even. Can't
1: anything, even begin. Anything? What's uh, anything whatsoever?
0: Uh, Neil didn't sign anything. Like, there's no extension, anything, or anything like that. Um, God, I don't know. I can't. I can't come up with anything off the top of my head. I'm not gonna. I don't know if I'm going to get this one.
1: There is uh, a text right now 960 960. It's obviously where you can hit us up. You will win a $50 gift card to Veranda, VK, or pardon me, Veranda and VK Bruco. Mm. The Veranda is the restaurant. VK Bruco is the beer. And then Burwood Distillery is the distillery that is there as well. They have a great setup down on Flanders app. Right now, you get your answer in and you can win a uh, gift card. To veranda plus some of their swag. We got
3: a couple answers. Uh, they're not the right ones, but uh, Gabe, uh, they all signed their contract on this day.
1: No, they, they all signed their contract on different days. Actually, uh, that would have been July uh, July second for Elias Lin, uh, James Neal. Elias Lindholm's contract was signed on July the sixteenth, and Buddy Robinson was on. Uh, July 2nd. But you are in the right vein. Yes. You are in the right it vein. It involves signings. It does involve signings. You got something? No. Okay, good. <laughs> this is going well. Yeah. Um, They all signed in the same year. Am I supposed to get this? Like, no. I? Okay, good. Uh, makes you feel better then. Jeff and Legacy, I'm going to say that you are uh, kind, oh, of, kind oh. of mixing a couple of things here. Jeff and Legacy said all three went to
3: arbitration. Now, uh, something that summer happened for the Flames, uh, and it hasn't happened since. No, it has not happened since. No,
1: no it has not happened since. They haven't since. had to use this. They were tool. all traded from Flames or to the Flames in July. That's crags, but it's not the answer that I'm looking for. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm allowed to guess, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to,
0: like, cron this and give away the answer. Well, okay. Maddie gave away the answer one time. You would give away
1: the answer, but the unfortunate aspect of this is that we're kind of up against the clock. So um, you can give away the answer, and then whoever gets it in as soon as you give it away will be eligible First taxed in. to win. Yeah. Um this one says they were all bought out that uh I don't think Buddy Robinson's ever been bought out of a contract. I don't think Buddy's and, earned I enough know, to be think, bought out. <laughs> I don't think I know Lindholm's for sure Lindholm has no. not been bought out of a contract. No. So that's no. not it. Um <laughs> did Tro- they all sign Troy contracts Brown? after a buyout? Did they all sign contracts after a buyout? No. Ugh. <sighs> <sighs> Thought I had that they one. They all signed contracts after something.
3: Hmm? This player got this deal, and this player is no longer with the Flames.
1: Uh, that you're confusing it. Uh, that's too much. Yeah. James Neal, Elias Lindholm, and Buddy Robinson. Think of when. You you want a hint? Yeah, of course I do. Um, welcome to Cowtown. That's your first hint. Okay. Welcome to Cowtown. We're getting a couple. Uh, Troy Brower was bought out to fit them on the roster. Maybe, but that's not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> Same Dan agent.
3: and core they all avoided arbitration. Yeah, getting there, we're closer. getting closer, there. there.
1: and there's a couple of things here that are relevant. We've had that from Wayne and Woodbine as well. They were signed during Stampede. <laughs> no, but that's a good one. Uh, they all bought, they all bought mozzarella cheese at Sobeys. <laughs> Very good. Any other guesses there, Peter Klein? No, I am officially stumped on this one. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll get you another one. Uh, second hint. Twas the year of the dog. Twas the year of the dog. Hmm. Yeah. No, I don't think I got that. That's one not going to help people unless you Google what the year of the dog
3: was. Yeah. Lavy like Google, year of the, the dog. The year of the dog was 2018. 2018. It helped you out. That's your Google search. This is the last time the Flames did something in the summer of
4: 2018.
1: I don't know. I still don't know. Uh, okay, I will give you another hint. Um, somebody call my lawyer.
3: That's good. Not I was going to say, Mommy and Daddy are fighting over me. Somebody call my lawyer. Okay, <laughs> now I feel
1: dumb that I'm not getting it. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. This is Impossible Flames Trivia. It's presented and brought to you by Veranda, a friendly farm-to-table restaurant featuring craft beer and spirits from in-house Vacay Bruco and Burwood Distillery at 2566 Flanders Ave Southwest. It's supposed to be impossible, and it certainly feels this way. Uh, We've had some great ones. They all had a classic Francis hate article after (laughs) them signing with the Flames. Um, Daryl's first signings, no. All of them went to arbitration and signed just before, no. They all signed long-term contracts after signing with the Flames, no. Buddy Robinson's never had a long-term contract. They all went to China that year. That is the year they went to China, but no. They all signed Gaudreau's wedding guest album. Maybe. <laughs> um Actually I don't know if Lindholm was at the wedding. I no, don't hurtful. think he was. I think he was I think he was in Sweden. Because it was the off season and he's usually in Sweden. Ooh, I like this top one on the text line. Is that it? The Flames acquired their rights before signing them? Yeah. No. Oh that's not it. They did not acquire James Neal's rights before they signed oh, them. No, oh no, they didn't. You're right.
0: They traded them, but they didn't. But I can yeah. tell
1: you one thing. Uh, oh, we just got one in, and it is so close. You are missing oh. one extra wrinkle.
3: Oh, God. Your, your are You name? also need
1: to add your name, <laughs> but they are missing one little <laughs> wrinkle. <laughs> this one says they signed the last year the Flames took a player to arbitration. You are incredibly close. Yeah. It's not that they took a player to arbitration because they take players to arbitration all the time. Yes, but then the players usually sign. They settle before or, yeah.
3: the arbitration they date. Figure out something before they go to court. I don't even know if it's court. I think it's just a, a room with a table.
0: Yeah, right. there's a judge. In yeah. Court. Yeah. It's like it, suits. Yeah. Right. Really? Yeah. Mm. Harvey Specter.
3: Oh.
1: This dude said no names. He's doesn't <laughs> do names. That's it. No. No. You just, can't win then, sir. We're in. trying
3: to give you a prize. <laughs> <laughs>